Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. <laughs> Let it play, Kyle. We'll, we'll slowly fade it out for the drama. Fade drama. All right. What's up, my friend? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot at all. How about you? Uh, it's an exciting day at the podcast studio. It is. Because a couple things. Kyle's back in the studio. Yeah. Um, That's always exciting. Did you notice that I posted a episode, a solo episode of the podcast on... On a Friday. Was it a Friday? It might have been. Yeah. It was Friday. And the reason is, when we got back from our vacation, it was Wednesday. And oh. that's when I usually put one out. Gotcha. So I was not prepared. You know, I think the amount of episodes that we put out is good. I don't know how important the schedule is. You know, if it's like off by a day or so, I just don't really think it's that big of a deal. Especially because... It's not like we have a huge audience, you know? Yeah, you're probably right. We're just building a back catalog for when we do explode at this point. <laughs> the thing is that I think about the podcasts I like and listen to and look forward to, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's really disappointing when... They're not out. They're not out. Yeah. So I want to, I wanna, yeah. you know, deliver, for yeah. Christ's sake. Deliver for our audience. Also, a question for you. What's um, up? I, I ordered a fat head. For the, uh, the podcast logo. Is that legit a fathead? It's a legit fathead. Yeah. And this is the thing. That's as big as I could get it. Oh, really? Um, I tried all the different photos we had because I wanted to get a long one with all the space and the planets yeah, and all yeah. the cool stuff. But um, for some reason, it said that the resolution would suffer if I went any bigger than this. And this is two feet by two feet. Yeah. So for the audience, uh, we, we, have, we have an empty wall in the podcast studio. And behind me are all the awesome Alex Gray paintings. In front of me is the is the really cool. I don't know if we talked about it before, but it's the it's the panels that that absorb sound. When you look at them, it looks like a an old industrial like like attic or something of like a of like a building that's half half ruined in like Chernobyl someplace. It's got some fractal geometric vibes going it, to it. Yeah, it's very cool. So we have the naked wall, and now on the naked wall is the is the, is the logo. Yeah. Why else is it an exciting day in the podcast today mm. in the studio? Well, we got we have like. Thirty percent more estrogen in this room than we're accustomed to having. True, true. Because we have a visitor slash guest who's reluctant, and it happens to be Kyle's fiance. Hello. <laughs> Don't talk to my fiance my that way. Fiance, I'm the goddamn paterfamilias, Kyle. <laughs> yep, Chelsea is uh, sitting in. She's probably not going to say a whole lot. So I'm really happy. <coughs> I'm really happy that you're here, Chelsea. And the reason is that Kyle, Kyle, and I have been really enjoying. Episodes that we do not plan for. Mm-hmm. And for the audience, um, our prep for today was two minutes ago before we started the podcast. It lasted about 30 seconds. So, you know, it, but the thing is, it, they flow more freely and they're more natural and, and we like them. We have more fun doing them. 
but if there if there's any dry moments, and now we have comic relief, we have somebody who can who can chime in and say one word or two words mm-hmm. or whatever you want to do. Yep. So having three people here is good for that reason, I think. My mom wants to be on the podcast Bring too. By her the way, on. my mom would be more than happy to talk on the podcast. By <laughs> the way, that would not be. Uh, there wouldn't be. Any, it wouldn't be any quiet time. No. Oh yeah. man, I'd lo- we could have Melissa on. Yeah, that would be fun. We should. She's uh deep into like the conspiracy stuff, so you know that could be interesting. That's even more reason to have her yeah. on, uh, especially if there's like zero citations and sources. Oh, it. it's just it all wild better. speculation. Yeah, absolutely, uh, just this thing I heard on Facebook or exactly TikTok, even better. Ooh, you get yeah. your you get your critical news from TikTok. People are <laughs> people are they're they're telling you news, but they're dancing while they're doing it. Exactly, it's mm. a nurse. Do you remember um, the news? The Naked News. Do you remember the, the? I don't know if it's still a thing, but there was like a channel or something. It was it's like, like porno news, like pay per view. Yeah, it was like uh, you could you could watch somebody tell the news and they just strip while they're telling the news. Have you ever see that? Um, yeah, yeah I think I've seen it too. Seen it. She's seen it. Yeah, it's like in Mexico they do it. I think what or yeah. Russia or Russia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what their immigration policy is like. <laughs> All right, uh, I would I would move to Russia. I think I would definitely visit Russia. Yeah, I would visit Russia too, but I've heard that they're not particularly polite to um, to Americans, Westerners in general. Oh, see, that's that's interesting because Russia's a weird place, man. Mm, very weird for, for lots of reasons. First of all, if you go to Saint Petersburg or Moscow or something like that, that's a very different experience than if you go any fucking where else in Russia. Yeah. And you can go. Yeah. I mean, Russia is enormous, so you can go to Siberia in the middle of nowhere where you're certain to die. Or you could go to like just north of Kazakhstan, where it's like everybody's from the Middle East, and yeah. but that's Russia too. Yeah. And then part of it's in Europe, and part of it's in Asia. Part of it's like a Western culture. Part of it's a shamanistic culture. Yeah. It's it's weird. And then you've got this group of, of white people who got there from Scandinavia, the Rus. You know, those those were Vikings, the Rus Vikings. Yeah. Um, and they and they just live there in this place where there aren't any any other European people. You know, it's a weird it's a weird group. It is. For, for them to be anti-Western is a strange thing because they look well. Think Western. Of, think about how anti-Russia the West is, though. Has been. Still is. You say that, but I haven't seen a Russian villain in t- TV or movies in ages. Okay, mate. Well, I don't know that that's true, but just think about the whole... Go ahead. No, you... Russia gate just Yeah, happened. exactly. The it Russia collusion. Happened. Like, And think about how... I mean, I'm not saying that Vladimir Putin is a good guy... But is Joe Biden a good guy? I'm going to say something controversial about the uh, Russian collusion. Okay. Um, I guess my thoughts on it are like this. If somebody tries to interfere with an election, if you want to put it that way, by, let's say, having a huge social media impact or you know, trying to steer the, the dialogue, the public dialogue or something like that, I think you have every right to do that. Whether you're living in this country or not, you can do and say what you want. That's an American principle. Be a troll or not. Whatever you want. You can you can go on the internet and say a bunch of dumb shit that's not true, even if your intentions are completely bad, and you should be able to do that. If we're dumb enough... Is there a but coming? No, there's no but that's coming. That's not controversial at all. Well, it's not controversial to me. <laughs> to maybe you, yeah, maybe yeah. it's controversial to like, shit libs, but... Well, exactly. It's like if if you're if we're so uh, easily 
persuaded that we could swallow a bunch of garbage from from sure. tro- internet trolls yeah. in, in the freaking former Soviet Union, then shame on us. You're man. making a great case against democracy right now. Mm, I. That's funny you say that because I I never would have agreed with that kind of a statement. Sure. Even like even like a year ago. Yeah. But now. But now I, I feel way more, uh, or I feel I feel way less connected to the idea of, um, well, of, of the American uh, part of my identity. Yeah. That that's tied to democracy because it's not. It's yeah. not. And, you know, not not only because we don't have a democracy in the United States, and we haven't ever. Yeah. We have a representative democracy, which is which is a very different thing. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean the idea the idea that of a democracy is the idea of majority rules and I that that idea is so scary to me. For sure, especially when you see the fucking idiots infesting this country. Exactly. Yeah, uh you're turning into a Hoppian. Uh a, a follower of Hans Hermann Hoppe. Hoppe. Um I would like to know about that. Um I'm not a fan of hops though. Hops. The I, IPA Beer? IPAs can suck it, man. I, nah, I man, I like me some IPAs. They're everywhere. They're taking over all the that's other true. beers, and it's upsetting me, Kyle. Because that's true. And you know, we used to have commercials ten years ago, bitter beer face commercials, where oh, the faces yes. suck in. They're like, "This beer's so terrible. Why would you buy this beer?" Now they're all that beer. They're all that beer, Kyle. And I'm not happy about it. Yeah. I want a Hefeweizen. Give me a. Oh. Give me a. Give me a milky. You're preaching to the choir. Unfiltered. With the man, last time I had a Hefeweizen, we were at. A German restaurant, and it was just delicious, man. I like that you say Hefeweizen the same way I said Kuba the other day. Kuba, yeah. What, what I, I overpronounced the the German. The German, yeah. Because if you're American, it's a it's a Hefeweizen. Oh, okay, but yeah. It, Kyle said it's. I was having a Hefeweizen the other day. You know my you family. Know. Yeah, you, you know yeah. my family. They're they're you know German. My dad thinks he's German. <laughs> he is German, but he he like dials it up a notch. So that's one thing, man. Like I wish. That I was more familiar with, like European culture. Sure. Because in our, in this country, if you have a German heritage or an Italian heritage or whatever it is, that's all you need to know. You can be proud of it. It means everything that's good about that that part of the world, and you just adopt it as as your own. Mm-hmm. Like I'm Italian. That means for Ferraris and yeah. you know whatever it means. I, that's the somehow Sopranos. meatballs. <laughs> meatballs. Somehow it's that's that's I'm I'm a little bit responsible for all that great stuff. But if you were in Mario Ger- and Luigi, if you were in Germany, and you said I'm German, like I don't think that means anything because you could be you're pissing off an entire country right <laughs> no, now. No, no, no. It's like because I'm guessing that they're like the subcultures in places like Germany. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, you're right. You, like your identity would be s- something more specific than German. Yeah, it's Bavarian. It's it's Bavarian, yeah. Austrian, or yeah, something like that. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. And but the thing is, I don't know what the differences are, and mm. that shit's probably really interesting. You know who kind of was like real serious about? The, I, I'm sure that he was uh, big on the the little micro identities too. But the German identity, there was a guy who's real famous in history for yeah. uh, pushing that. What was his name? I seem to remember he he had like a Michael Jordan mustache. Do you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. He had like a Michael Jordan kind of mustache. Yeah, yeah. His, his hair was quaffed in one particular direction. There's this dude on Twitter. His name, his Twitter handle is Neocon Remover. Mm-hmm. And he put out a great tweet the other day. He said, I could never do what Hitler did. And in, the, in parentheses, he said, grow a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's a good one. All right, so let's see. We talked about fat heads. I got to tell you, my brother called me. All right, so. All right. 
we listen to a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of, a lot of personalities out there that we like. Mm-hmm. Imagine if one of those people was a close enough friend to you or a relative where you could listen to like an episode of Joe oh. and then pick up the phone and call him and say, you motherfucker. Yeah. You know, you said this and that. You forgot about this. Like there's always moments where you, you wish you could be critical or you wish you could insert yourself into a conversation when you're listening to somebody else's 100%. podcast. So my brother just calls me the other day. <laughs> He's listening to the podcast. He what calls, episode do you? He said, or, uh, you, you might have to tell me what episode. It was the, it was the one we were, there was more than one. Okay. We were talking heavily about left brain, right brain. Okay. They were right around the same time. One of them was the McGilchrist episode and one of them wasn't, but we were talking about them and it, it may have been that one. So he calls me up and he's like, oh man, he's like, I just had one of those moments where I wanted to, it's like, I knew something about what you were talking about and I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to insert it. Hell yeah. So he just calls me and uh, he was, he was saying something really interesting. He said that there was something he heard about the left brain, right brain thing where certain types of animals, let's say, have a dominance in one direction. So right brain dominant, left brain dominant. I don't know enough to understand what that means. Sure. I know that... From what we talked about already, there's obviously big differences in the different hemispheres and what they're responsible for and how they create the, the reality, the picture of, of our experience that we have. And Josh, is, he calls me and he's like, did you know that predators and prey animals, that they are divided that way, where the, where the predators are right brain dominant and the prey animals are left brain dominant? And he was like, uh, and it, you know, and I was trying to understand like, what that means, it, but it was kind of interesting because he's like, if you remember, the left brain is the one that um, can focus a really high level of detail on an object or something, so that they can, so that they can, you know, create a picture of of, of something, so that you yeah. can understand one specific type of thing. But it doesn't have a big picture. It doesn't have like a like a bigger picture. So you can imagine if if I was a prey animal and I was and I was um, left brain dominant. That my experience is basically like the things that are right in front of me. And that's my entire reality. So if that's food and safety, then I'm in food and safety mode. And it's and if a predator arrives and I'm on and I'm alerted, now I'm in like panic fight and flight mode. And my entire reality is like a flip of a switch in in one direction or another. There's no bigger like story to that. There's no tomorrow. There's only now and what now is like. And I was trying to think about the left brain like that because the left brain's look it's trying to understand a new thing, a new object, a new idea. And it's hyper-focused on filling it in, trying to figure out the details. What is this thing? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have a bigger picture. And if I was a, pre- if I was a prey animal like that, it's kind of like that's what my life is like. My life is like whatever it is I understand at the moment and there's no bigger picture. There's no what, what might happen. There's no thinking about the future. There's no... This might be dangerous. It's this is where I am and what I'm doing right now. And if yeah. it becomes dangerous, I'll deal with it then. Then that my reality is now danger. But if you're if you're a predator, and you know we're predators, yeah, um, we have to know things like where an animal might be, or where a danger might be, or where opportunity might be, or what what might happen if I do this or that, versus that or this. So I can't do that if I'm if I'm a left brain dominant creature because then I'm only here and now. I'm only, you know, in the moment. Yeah. But if but if I have a bigger picture, if I'm a right brain dominant creature and I can paint that bigger picture, then I, it's way more abstract. And now there's a past and a future. There's a, there's a, there's all these what if scenarios because I've because I have the ability to 
kind of paint this broader picture. So I don't know what you might think of that, but that's what my brother would have contributed to the conversation had he been on. That's cool. That is, uh, I didn't really know that. I mean, especially like along the lines of the predator thing. Um, and I think that it makes me, it makes me wonder about like people. Okay. So I see people who are like caught up in things like racism and transphobia. I see those people as left-brained. All they can do is see like what's in front of them right now. Mm -hmm. And then I see myself as a predator. (laughs) So God damn, that was good. I I thought of that too, actually, when you said that, because I was thinking of arguments that they, they think make so much sense, but then they don't see the bigger, like abortion. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now I don't, I think we're kind of both guilty. Both sides are guilty of, um, Focusing on get on getting hung up on the details, you know, mm-hmm. both both sides. Man, it's really difficult to talk this way and that way into the microphone. Um, <laughs> we'll do our best. <clears throat> I feel like sometimes I I got that uh that NPR voice on air. Sometimes I just want to let the reverb and my voice be heard. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is so, weird. Sorry, I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring up something I forgot to bring up. The, uh, the last time we got together and I really wanted to okay. I told you about it already this isn't going to be new to you oh. but Chelsea it'll be new to you so you might find this interesting so when I was um, growing up after I moved out of the neighborhood we, where we met I went to the other suburb a girl that lived in the neighborhood I've known ever since then so we would have been like like you know 8 or 9 or 10 years old when we met and she was friends with my sister and we went to high school together you know middle school together high school together and uh Know, know each other very well, but then afterwards, like like happens, you lose touch with those people. But she was always very nice, and we we liked her. Her name's Amanda. Um, I found out recently she started a podcast, and I listened to it. and It was really good. It's called um, Solvable, Solvable, and I think there's more than one of them that's titled Solvable. But if you guys are interested, after I tell you this, uh, look it up. So here's the thing: when I knew Amanda, she's always very smart in school. She had a lot of potential, and when she graduated high school, she fa- she got into like the banking world, the finance world, and she was working for one of the big, you know, the big uh, multinational banks, mm-hmm. and was doing really well, and started a family and had kids, and was just doing just doing well. I mean, as far as the kind of the, the American standard is concerned, she had done well for herself in a relatively short time. We were all very proud of her. Um, then she finds out, and I and I. Would have loved to have her on the podcast so she could tell this story. But anyway, then I find out that she finds out she has a sibling or a half sibling, I think it is, that she never knew about, and it's pretty close to her age. So as an adult, she's like, "I have a, I have a sister? Are you kidding me?" She she got obsessed with that, and she wanted to find her her sister. So she starts getting in. And she again, she's smart, she's capable, so she can she can do whatever she puts her mind to. So she starts learning about. Uh, genealogy and genes and what kind of things, what kind of resources are available to track people down like this. And she tracks down her sister. That's she crazy. finds her sister. They have a relationship together now. That, that's great. Um, and she and it was such a powerful experience for her, finding out she had a sister that she never knew about. All those emotions that are, are attached to that. Going through the hard work, learning all this new technical stuff, tracking her down, finding her. This completely changes her life. Yeah. After a series of years, now this is kind of, I don't know what, what happened to her in the interim, but after a series of years, she's no longer working at the bank. She's given up that career entirely. That successful career that she got a jump 
on at a young age. Just, just put that away. She now works with the FBI, uh, doing g- genetic genealogy, helping the FBI track down identities for, for mostly homicide victims um, that were never identified. So somebody got killed, <clears throat> nobody claimed them, nobody could ever figure out who they were, and there's way more of those than you would imagine. And now she works with the FBI f- doing this genetic genealogy to f- track these people down. And that podcast that she's doing, Solvable, is her and some FBI agent talking, highlighting some of the stories of them doing that. And in, in this first season of the podcast, it's two babies in like Mississippi, I think it is, somewhere down south. That were that were found dead and never identified, mm-hmm. and one of those babies, her and this FBI agent were able to give an identity to, after she was dead for like twenty five years. That's crazy. Like Thirty five years or something crazy. That's insane. And it's really awesome, and it's a girl that lived down the street from me. It's just, it's just, it's getting old is weird in lots of ways, but seeing people doing <sighs> important things and sophisticated things when you remember them as a kid, it's a weird thing, man. Yeah, but she's doing it, man, and it, it, she's like reinvented herself, and, and it's amazing what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. What do you think about that? I think that sounds like a really good podcast. I love stuff like that. You should listen to it. It was hard for me to listen to because, um, because of the I have two girls, and the subject matter is about dead baby girls. So you know, it was it wasn't easy for me to listen to, but I wanted to push through it because it's her, and I, you know, and I and. I wanted to do that, yeah. but it was worth it. It was worth the. It was worth the. The juice was worth the squeeze. The juice <laughs> was worth the squeeze. Thank you, buddy. I yep. actually watched a whole episode on TV about um, a case like that, but it's actually they used a genealogy person to find the killer, uh, based on DNA, and they ran it through like the Twenty Three and Me or whatever it's called, and they found like siblings of this guy, and they were able to narrow down who did it. Yep. So. Um, I'm never going to do that, just, <laughs> just in case I Just in case you accidentally murder somebody? Or someone in my family does. I mean, I oh, you got to protect No, absolutely. I, I know somebody who is a little bit skeptical of things like 23andMe, and they might happen to be sitting in the room with us. Although, to be fair, I am too, you know. Um, what do you mean, skeptical? Um, so, well, I, I've heard things like people have taken... Uh, like you know, with the twenty three oh. me, you fill the the tube with your saliva. You ship it off to them, and they tell you all this stuff about yourself. Yep. I've heard things about people like taking their dog's saliva and sending it in, and they send it back. Like you're from you know Norway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a fucking dog. So yeah. Well, I have heard people say that they did twenty three and me ancestry, and they they get different results. Sure. Yeah. But they have different databases. So yeah, that's so, true. You know. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm just skeptical of everything, though. So. Oh, but you know what's interesting is that on that episode that I was talking about, they the way that they got DNA too, they, it ended up not being the guy, but they they thought it was one guy in particular, and they followed him, and they took like cigarettes that he had dropped on the ground, mm. and they t- they ran it through that website. Wow. Just crazy. It is crazy. So the the message is, don't. Don't leave cigarette butts laying around. Yeah, that's a rookie move. So, all right, so I, I've said on the podcast before that one of the things that happened to me when I had my first mystic experience is that I started feeling hyper-responsible for things. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I saw a piece of garbage on the street, I had to pick it up. I felt compelled. I'm like, somebody's got to do it. Might as well be me. Like, you know, Jordan Peterson says, clean up your room. Like, if something if something screams out to you, calls out to you to fix, and you can, then you should. So I started feeling that way, and it was the way. The one of the things it was doing was it was making me 
like way less likely to litter. So I wasn't throwing, you know, throwing anything like outside on the ground. Yeah. But one thing I still do, and I feel bad about it, but I still do, is spit my chewing gum out. Mm-hmm. I'll just spit it out. It's funny. I was just thinking about that the other day too. Sometimes, sometimes I will, and maybe this is maybe this is like the worst thing I could do. But sometimes I'll look for the uh, the sewer grate. Mm. I'll just if I'm going to spit my gum out, I'll just pop it in there, so it's not going to go on somebody's shoe. Sure, it's just going to go down into the sewer system to to feed the alligators or something, right? <laughs> so, uh, so I, I do that. But just like you said with the cigarette butts. Every time I spit out my gum, it's just my DNA everywhere. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's valuable because all, all these companies are collecting it under the auspices maybe that they can give you some information about your yeah, yeah. about your food sensitivity like, or, your, or your your ancestry. Yeah, like Facebook is just trying to connect you to your, your loved ones. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But really, they're, they're, they're taking a look at all of our and, – and I this is all speculation, guys, but this is probably true that, the, that there are companies out there that are, that are paying – to identify all of these rare genetic patterns, sequences. And as science progresses, and there's ways that w- in which people can benefit from those types of mutations, they're going to be copywritten, and they're going to be, you know, some type of, of medicine that's going to be available in the future to fix your blindness or give you, give you a, you know, whatever. Yeah. Make you lose weight or whatever it is. That, that, that they are literally... They're getting valuable information from our DNA, and that's the kind of thing that comes to my mind. Like, yeah, you know, pe- people people have random mutations, and some of those things are beneficial. Some of those things make you jacked. Some of those things make you more likely to have diabetes. If I can figure out which which pattern give, gets you jacked, and I can put that in a CRISPR pill, that's gold. Yeah, and, and that's sitting in somebody's used chewing gum on the sub under the fucking handrail at the subway in New York right now. So you know, it's you know. Whatever. You yep. get it. You get it. Yep. It's creepy. It's creepy. It's like uh, something from a movie. I well, had to write two papers on that uh, being for genetically modifying, um, what is it, genes, mm-hmm, yeah. and being against it. So. so you had to do you had to do it both ways? You had to argue both ways? And which way did you think was more compelling? Um, the for or against? Well, for the academic reasons, I think it was more compelling to do it for to be for it, but personally, I think I'm against it. Interesting. So it's like a tied to a liberal type of personality to say that we should take risks because the payoff might be great. So I would support the manipulation of genes because who knows what great things might we might get out of it. And the conservatives are going to say, you know, but all the fish are going to have three eyes, and we're, in, in, you know, the food's not going to have nutri- nutrients anymore, and we're all going to die. And and you just basically have feelings on both sides of that coin. And I think that's true for most people. Yeah. I mean, I would think it would be pretty sweet if I could be the Incredible Hulk. That would be awesome. But then you wonder, like, you start thinking about, like, well, what if there's an army of the Incredible Hulks, you know? Oh, buddy. That's scary as hell. We, we, we talked about, uh, we talked about um, Stalin in his... Yeah, his, yeah, that's true. Was, that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. He was, do, he was doing it by getting... By trying to get a a hybrid creature between a between a human and a and a great ape, but he was trying. He was he was he was absolutely monkey trying. Fucking. Monkey, fucking. Although they're not monkeys, I think. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Oh, okay. All apes are monkeys. All not apes. all monkeys are apes. Oh, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, I guess that means we're monkeys. 
that that's what my father-in-law believes. I, well, I kind of believe that too. Well, he doesn't, mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. He pokes fun by by saying that oh, he doesn't understand oh. evolution because if we're if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? And it doesn't matter how many times I explain to him about yeah. common ancestors. Yeah, yeah. Every time that comes back up, he's like, "Well, you know what, though? They, but what? Why? <laughs> if, if we came from monkeys, always the same argument with that guy." Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I think that that picture on the front of you know the. Uh, the origin of the species, that yeah. picture, oh, that, yeah, yeah. that was like, that fucked a lot of people it's up. super misleading. Yeah. I wonder when that picture came about. Yeah, that's a good question. I want you to Google that while I talk about uh, the guy I met at the bar last night. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I can try to. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to, when did that picture come about? Go ahead, tell yeah. us about oh, the well, guy. So, all right, so Jessica and I don't get to go out very often because we have kids and lives. But um, last night, we had the opportunity for a couple hours to go out. And so we did. We just walked because because we're walking distance from a nice little like restaurant. It's a little hole in the wall basically, but it's nice. And then right next to it is a little complex with a bunch of other bars. So we decided we were going to go have a nice drink at a nice place. Going to go play some pool. So I'm sitting at the bar at the, that has the pool pool hall attached to it, and the guy across the across the bar recognizes me because the last time we got to go out, which was like a month ago, I think we, I remember you telling me about this. This happened last night. Oh, no, but, no, but the, the, the yeah, previous time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same guy was at the same bar, and he, he claims that this was the, this was the uh, last time he, he went to the bar, was the last time he saw us. So, like, it's this crazy coincidence that we bumped into each other a month ago, and we bumped into each other again tonight. Uh, but he's a really, really nice guy. One of those guys where you, when you had enough to drink, and you start feeling extra friendly, and you making friends with strangers, where you're like, oh, I'm totally going to hang out with this guy when I'm sober. You know, you, you have those... Oh yeah, those moments, uh, and you like exchange phone numbers, and you you know send them a text while you're, that night while you're drunk, and then you never talk to him again. So it's one of those situations. But I see the guy again, so he looks at me and he's like, "Hey, you know," and um, he was there with a buddy. So I went around, and I started talking to him, and when I was there at the bar with him, he had these crazy sunglasses called Pit Vipers. Oh, that dude! I got no, I got no idea what they are. That's you're just like you're you're surprisingly close to like. Like current internet culture, you know, for being you, you're like right there. You got your finger on the pulse. <laughs> uh, so he's got these pit vipers, and he thinks they're they're awesome, and I think they're terrible. And maybe that's maybe they're awesome because they're terrible. Exactly. So I put them on, and he takes a picture of me. I have. I'll show it to you. Hold on. Takes a picture of me, and uh, you know, it was funny. So this guy that he brings to the bar last night, or the guy that is that that he was there with, he he's a big fan of these pit vipers. Apparently, he's got all these different. He's got ones. more than one pair. All these different ones, They're expensive. yeah. They are expensive. Yeah, I was. I wondered about that. Um, hold on, I'm trying to find this photograph. Here it is. I'm gonna show. <laughs> Look at this photograph. <laughs> here you go. You should post that as your episodes. Uh, yeah. Okay. For Perhaps. There it is. <laughs> That's <good>. pretty good. <laughs> you see, I look good. Those are the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Though these are the ugliest fucking sunglasses I've ever seen in my life. And anybody who thinks I'm gonna anybody need, who would pay more than ten dollars, I'm going to need you to pump the brakes yeah, and think about a show that you like very much, Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Would Kenny Powers not wear those? Oh, glasses? every day of the week. Okay, so are they not kind of cool? In a, in a, but only in a hipster kind of way. Only in an ironical kind of way. 
I'm not okay. I, I'm not wearing those glasses like I look fucking good. I'm not doing that. No, I, I am. I, I'm I'm like I'm like I'm gonna put on the ridiculous shorts today, and I'm gonna wear those glasses, and somebody's gonna think I'm cool as a result. I, you know what? That's not for me. No, you it's don't. Not for me. You don't wear them because you think somebody else is gonna think you're cool. You wear you don't, them. You don't. You wear them. In the hopes that somebody who knows sees. Oh, I see. You I know, see. Yeah, it's yeah. like an in-group thing. I see. I see. I get it, man. It's like, uh, it's like when I, I went to a bar one time with my wife before we were married, and there was a. It's one of those bars where people will write messages on dollar bills, and then they'll put the dollar bills up all over the place. And gotcha. there was, and there was one that said, "Who is John Galt?" Oh, and I was like, "Oh, whoever put that there is a is a kindred spirit with yeah. me." So I get it because I know. That 99% of the people that go to that bar have no fucking idea what that means. Mm-hmm. But me and the guy that me and the guy that put that there, where yeah. we we know. Exactly. So I get it. I get it. Yep. I almost bought a pair of pit vipers for the vacation to Florida, but I mm. decided against it. I can understand why. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, the reason I'm telling you the story about this dude and the pit vipers is that um, he ended up being a really awesome guy, and he was. Uh, he told me he was. Uh, I wonder if he's based. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I want to. There's one other thing that popped in my head about slang so remind me about that yep. so this guy ends up telling me he's his dad is uh persian so his dad is from uh from iran his mom is like this hillbilly lady from from ohio okay and uh his, his, somehow they met and uh so he his dad is a uh, baha'i which is a religion mm-hmm. over there that's really obscure and most people have never heard of it and i never in my life even ever met one before so i was excited I, you know religion is a, yeah <laughs> it's like Meeting somebody who practices this faith that I've never met anybody who practices was like meeting a celebrity for me, like a minor celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I was like, your dad is what? <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was like. next thing you know, I'm on his side of the bar. I'm talking to him, having a conversation with him. Because I thought, you know what? That's really strange. Because he said his mom's like this, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, uh, white woman. And his dad is, uh, you know, got some Arabic-sounding name. And, you know, this guy's got a, he's got a beard. He looks, you know, he looks like a... He looks, he looks like a Middle Eastern guy, for sure. Okay. Um, and I asked him, like, did you practice any of that religion? He was like, I was, I was like, you know, uh, Protestant. Like, I went to church with my mom. Like, I have, I have no idea. But it's really cool. So the religion, have you ever heard of it, no. Chelsea? So this is a religion in the Middle East and um, mostly in Iran. And they, it goes back. It goes back a, a, a long ways. And they believe that all of the prophets of the major religions are legitimate. And they're all part of the same um, religious tradition. So they believe Buddha is a prophet, Jesus is a prophet, Adam was a prophet, Muhammad was a prophet, all of them. Mm-hmm. And that is super, super interesting. When I first learned about that in college, I was like, oh, if I was, if I was gonna, you know, sign the papers that I, I'm, I belong to a religion, that I, this is, this is gonna be the one. What is the demonym for somebody who practices Baha'i? I don't know, and I never pronounced the word. I've only ever seen it written. And it has a little hyphen before the last I. I don't know how you pronounce the thing. Um, I, he, he pronounced it, but, you know, I was drinking last night. I had, I had the whiskey tour last night, oh. which is a terrible idea. Yeah, sounds I, like a terrible idea. I started with, um, they had like their own bourbon at the bar. So I started with the Kentucky bourbon. Then I decided to go um, the Irish whiskey route for a little while. Jameson? I, I got talked into it, actually. Jameson, yeah. yep. All right. And then I got home. And uh, I had had enough to drink that I was like, oh, another drink sounds like a great idea. So I had scotch whiskey. All right. So it was the whiskey tour. I was not feeling great this morning and wasn't sure. No Tennessee whiskey? No. Didn't have any Tennessee whiskey. 
um, that I that I can recall. Uh, but I, I wasn't even sure how this how this podcast was going to go, uh, so I was pounding like vitamin water. I feel great, um, but the the point is, I'm to the age now where I where I pay for that, so yeah. I have to like change. I have to re formulate my idea of a good of a good time or of or of relaxing or unwinding or decompressing or whatever it is that we feel like we have to do when we get a, a break yeah i have to redefine that because I, it's not sustainable man it's not sustainable yeah um you know we just went to florida and i was we were having some well i particularly was having some drinks then and i felt pretty good like i didn't really the next days were not too bad for me so I don't know if I was just doing a good job of staying hydrated or well, I don't feel like I was. Maybe I was soaking water in through the pool. I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you what. Jessica and I were just talking about this yesterday. That it seems like your body knows when you can be sick and when you can't. What I mean is if you're like, you got a bunch of responsibilities and a bunch of stuff you have to do. Um, you just your, your body just does whatever you demand of it. Mm. And then the moment you get a break... That's when you get sick. So it's like it happened to her, uh, where I don't can't remember the circumstances, but she brought it up, and it's like as soon as I knew I had two days off, where I didn't have I didn't have the responsibility, my body was like, okay, now we now we can be sick. Now you can have that fever and stay in bed for two days. Yeah. Um, where was I going with this, Kyle? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You were talking about drinking, so if that helps, mm-hmm. I have the opposite experience. Let's hear it. And I when I had a major. Um, practical exam for nursing I had like a huge migraine and um I could I was driving there and I could barely even keep my eyes open because it just hurt you know and I totally failed it I mean luckily we are allowed to have multiple tries uh, but that was the only thing I ever had to like retake Mm. um because I I was like trying so hard to work through it I couldn't do it like in the Mm. middle of it I just like broke down it's just a long a long running lie and excuse because she didn't study (laughs) yeah Yeah, now it's on the record so um so you you i said based and you had something to say about slang yeah because it sounds to me like based is probably is it sounded like you're using it like a slang word and i never heard it oh you've heard based i've said based on the podcast before i probably you you know what woke context of course yeah it's kind of like the like the the more right-wing version of woke oh god um, so, do you remember when we were talking about slang the last time? And because for the audience, the, for the audience's benefit, Kyle's got a younger brother, so he's got a little bit of a of a pulse, you know, a one generation down the line, so that he still stays fre- fresh on that stuff from Colin yeah. and from the internet. But the what, internet, what, mostly. What, what was that uh, one that we you brought up to me the, the other day, where you were like, "Have you ever heard?" Um, oh, it smacks. I think is the one uh, I that one. But there was in that conversation, there was a different one. I don't remember. Oh, uh, hits different. Oh yeah, yeah. It's different. So I never heard that before, and I understand. I guess I, I you know, it makes sense. I saw it on a commercial yesterday. Oh really? Yeah. It's different. What commercial? It's, I can't remember. Okay. But they specifically said whatever that they were advertising. It hits. Different. It hits different. It hits different. And I look at my wife, and I'm like, I can't. First of all, I resist new words all the time because it feels. I feel like I'm being manipulated. If we have a word for it, and you're inventing a new one, I'm suspicious as to why. So slang for me feels that way the same way political jargon feels that way to me I don't like it um, but then but the, I look at my wife when I see this commercial and I'm like first of all I hate it secondly it's grammatically incorrect if you want to say it hits differently you can say it hits, it hits differently that, that doesn't make me cringe but hits different makes me fucking cringe Kyle it's, not only do I not like it because it's new a new, a new word but it's, it's wrong it's wrong it's fucking wrong differently differently this is fucking America 
Speak the, English. The cringiest one, though, to me, is the one where they say it really do be like that. Do me like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's not too new. Um, Don't do me like that. It was a song in the 70s. No. <laughs> It's not the same, though. No, no, no. They, they really do be like that sometimes. Yeah, it's like, I'll oh, say, it's do like... do be like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, do be. Okay. Yeah. Do be, do be, do. I think most people say that as a joke more than anything. It, it really do be like that. It's cringy. It's like a meme more than it is actual slang, I think. So there's part of me that knows that I don't... The reason I don't like the ch- changing language is because I've learned it already. I went through the hard part of learning all the rules, especially English. It's a mess of a language. It's got rules that don't make any sense because it's a hodgepodge. Because English is a hodgepodge. You know, yeah. you know how Chelsea, you know how there are languages like like um, Spanish, I guess, comes to mind, where like I don't say fish tacos, I say tacos of fish. It's a different way of different way of, ta- of speaking. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I ta- definitely say fish tacos. <laughs> tacos de pescado. No, in Spanish they. Oh, say. oh, in, I, in okay, Spanish, I got you. It's I got tacos you. of fish. Yeah, yeah. If you if you you know translate it that way, so the point is that there are languages that have different word orders, right? There are things that are that different about languages that what happens with English is when you have a, you have a language like like Latin, and it's merging with a language like the Celtic languages that are being spoken in Great Britain, and then the Angles, the Angles and the Saxons come over from Germany and bring over these Scandinavian German languages, and then English becomes a hodgepodge of all of these different languages. And it's, it's the reason why we say cups and books and girls and boys and children. Mm-hmm. The fuck, man? That's because that's the one German... Chitlins. Uh, it's the one German... Uh, uh, I don't even know what the word is to pluralize to make a word plural in German is not done the same way as it is in English. Mm-hmm. But we held on to children for some reason and not childs. Everything else is s fine, but we hung on to so the point. The point is, English has lots of weird rules. I spent my whole life learning the rules, and now people are coming in telling me that we're going to change the language. And I, all this time I spent learning the rules was a waste of time. That's part of my reluctance. I'm like, look, man, learn, learn, you do the, what I did. You learn the rules. What? See, this is, I do not agree with you at all. Um, <laughs> and I think this is just like... That's my conservative like, like bit. And I think it's my like fuck authority anarchist thing. It's like, I don't fucking care about your... I mean, granted, I do think a lot of slang is dumb. But it's not because of the rules, I don't think. I think it's, I think it's because of... Um, I think it's because I don't like young people. <laughs> Listen, you know how, like, for a while, um, Biden was talking about forgiving student loans? Yeah. And there's so many people who validly say, I just finished paying off my student loans last year, let's say. I, I, I didn't. I still have $30,000 student loans. But somebody in this, in this country said, I just paid off my hundred grand of student loans last year. Yeah. Now Biden is going to come in and forgive everyone's loans? Why should... Why should I have had to have worked hard and made every payment on time mm-hmm. and can't get rid of that in bankruptcy? It's stuck to me until I've done my duty. And why, why do I have to do the hard work and these other people get a free pass? That's what comes to mind with this conversation about slang and language. That's the kind of feeling. It's like I learned the rules so I can speak English the way it's supposed to be spoken. Yeah. And somebody shows up and says, oh, those seem like hard rules. And it seems like we could just change these little things, make it a lot easier. And part of me is like, look, everything evolves, so language is going to evolve. And if it gets more efficient and stuff, and, and more you know descriptive and more powerful, that's probably a good thing. Yep. And that's the liberal part of me that's saying, you know what, change is good. You know, you, n- you never know what what new opportunities are going to come from that. 
And then my conservative side's like, but I learned the rules. I put it into work. It's got to, you know, you can't just throw it out the window. It pisses me off. Touching back on student loans, I think that if you can pay them, you should. I think if you're in a tight spot, like a lot of people are, I think you should just stop paying them. Forgiveness or not, I just think just stop paying them. Yeah, but what happens then, Kyle? Uh, hopefully you bankrupt the banks. Mm. So I, when I got my student loans originally, they were private loans through KeyBank. And the federal government just went around, bought all of them up. Yeah. And they, I, they didn't buy them all up, but basically they bought them all up. Yeah. And I didn't have a choice in that matter. So Honestly, I think, I think there's a, I don't know, I don't know if moral case is really what I'm trying to say, but I think that there's a case to be made that everyone should just stop paying them because they're flat out predatory at this point. Um, you know, you, you're, you've got this culture that tells people that they have to go to college uh, and that they need to take out uh, $100,000 worth of loans to get them a degree that is not going to, it's going to, they're going to take the rest of their lives to pay that off. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, I just, I think that anything we can do to break that system, I'm a fan of. I got, I got really mixed feelings about it. So like if there, there's a technical career, like going into nursing, we got somebody like that on the podcast today. Yeah. So if you were going to learn something like that, going to college is absolutely necessary. It seems, but you know what? I'm backpedaling that already. Let's ask. Let's ask Chelsea. If you could, like, let's say your your clinicals. How many of those have you done? Uh, three or four. Okay. So, and how long are they? How, how much time are you spending? Like, not long. Uh, a semester is only sixteen weeks, so I have like two in a semester. Okay. Is that long enough? While you're there, is that long enough for you to kind of get an idea of their day to day, though? Like, you know, what's involved? Yeah. So. If you could put yourself under, like a senior nurse, in a place like that for 30 days, let's say, and learn firsthand from a nurse, do you think you would need the nursing school and the, and hold on, let me finish, I'm, I'm, and the physiology classes you had to take and the all the medical lingo and all the stuff that you had, all, had to memorize, do, do you think you could do that job training under a nurse where you wouldn't need to have learned all the shit you learned in school? I think that I could, but I do believe that the class time is important because I could do, I could put an IV in or I could do certain things with medication or whatever, but I wouldn't really understand the purpose of it, maybe. So maybe I could only do like a factory, like, oh, this person needs this. I wouldn't know why. I wouldn't understand, you know, different yeah. reasons why you do different things. I just know what to do. That is, that's interesting because it makes me wonder about the future of medicine in this country is if you can make it like a factory if you can make it like an assembly line and it's more efficient and it's cheaper that that might be something that happens like my my father-in-law's in the hospital now has had all kinds of trouble and none of the doctors that he works with ever have it they don't know what the other doctors are doing and there's all sorts of mistakes that are happening and his heart doctor comes in and he says he's like not doing well he's he's in the hospital we're not sure if he's coming back that's what that's what i mean he's not doing well and his heart doctor shows up and says, the surgery that we did to scar your heart, it's called an ablation, I think it's called. He's like, the surgery we just did recently, it, it, it worked. Your heart now is back in rhythm. And he's like, yeah, doc, but look at me. I, I, I don't feel well. I, you know, it's, things, are, things are not going well. He's got all these problems. And his doctor's like, yep, yep, heart looks good. You're I'll good to go. I'll see you later. Yeah. He doesn't care about the other things because in the assembly line of, of doctors, he's only in charge of his pacemaker. 
and the rest of the doctors can worry about the cancer and the and the retaining of water and the in the you know his heart and his diabetes and need, everything else. Need that holistic approach. <sighs> what do you think about that? Yeah, I think is that it, is a big problem. Um. <laughs> is it, do you think care healthcare like that is more of an art or science? It's a combination. Can't, I mean, can it be a combination? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I guess. In the sense that anything that is being like innovated is kind of art in a way, but other than that, I really don't see how medicine is an art. What's well, like every every human body's different. Everybody's got a different like pH balance and chemistry and sensitivities and how they react to blood sugar and how they react to uh, different you know medicines. What you're allergic to, it's like everybody's different. And even if you have a general path to follow, you have this ailment, so we're gonna. We're going to go through this pattern, this standard of care, as they call it. Um, even so, you're not going to get the same effects on everybody. It, it, you may get a different effect on, on everybody. So it becomes more of a, uh, it, to me, it seems like it becomes more of an art where now I have to, now I'm looking specifically at this instance and I have to figure out, you know, what, you know, how, what creative things can I do to, to, to tackle this specific, yeah. you know, mix of, of variables. I just thought of a few things too to argue that it is an art more because I was just thinking like what you're complaining about is that there's not enough interdisciplinary uh, communication. Right. And that is kind of an art when it's like a huge organization like the Cleveland Clinic or UH or something that's so many moving parts. And if you can do it well, I feel like that is a good, that's like a choreograph. I guess we just have a different definition of art. And then I, also, I don't know. What about surgeons? I mean, surgery, that's an art. I don't think so. I mean, I think it's, I, I mean, again, I think it's just, uh, we're maybe like debating semantics here, um, but I just don't see that as an art. Well, I guess what I, what I mean by that is like coding, right? So if I'm going to solve a problem with coding, all I do is break down the problem in such a way that I can program the process to answer that, that question. If I can do that, and every time that, that, question comes up I can run that program and answer it then it's a then it's a then it's a, a, a you know a science if if it has to be custom every time then it's an art you know if it if it, if it requires my if it requires a back and forth between me and the thing then it's a, then it's an art something like that I know it's that's kind of a metaphorical statement I don't know I mean I guess I can see it but I still I don't think I would classify the medical field as a as an art um science i mean obviously there's science involved and going back to the training for it what i would describe it as being a nurse and being a doctor is a trait um yes. and i think i think that like you know this idea that you have to go to a, a college a university to be a nurse or a doctor no go work in a hospital mm. um go you know like i think that you know, I'm sure this doesn't come as a surprise to anybody who regularly listens to me talk, but I think that private industry would do it better. And the government is so wrapped up in the university system and the medical field in general that uh, I feel like get them out of it. Just let hospitals and medical, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Medical institutions train their own people. Um, I think that people would probably be probably end up paying less for the training i feel like it would probably be more efficient mm -hmm. um th that's what i think that's so, that's how i think you so should the, do it the point the point chelsea brought up about the benefit of going to school and getting the bigger picture 
mm-hmm. that she's learning things that she that aren't the practical things. They're the more abstract things that help her put context to what she's doing. And that, that and I agree that's important. Like that's that's the reason for a liberal education entirely. It's like to, to get an idea of the bigger picture so that whatever place you find yourself in the world, you understand better where you fit in the bigger picture. My question to you is, is could those things be learned on the job? Like if I was a nurse, you know, even if I, whether we're talking about going to a nursing program or doing it like a trade where I'm learning under a skilled person, um, either way, I lost my train of thought where I was like going with this. Hmm? I think it can be... Um learned on the job. I think that's what it used to be for nurses up until, like, honestly, not that long ago. Like, I, I don't know, I don't want to say a year because I could be wrong, but it, it isn't really that long ago in the grand scheme of things where nurses really didn't go to college. They just learned on the job. Yeah, yeah. Even my um, even my aunt, uh, like, well, in Columbus, in um, one of the hospitals down there, they had a nursing school attached to the hospital, and my aunt went there for, like, two years. But this would have been, like, in the 80s. And her and her, or maybe even the yeah, I guess it would have been the early eighties, and that was it. So and now and now they have to be you have to have a bachelor's degree now, or at least they were talking about nurses. Uh, I don't know if they've done that or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. So I'm going to graduate um, as an RN, but then I have to go back, and they'll hire you, but you have to sign a contract saying like within five years or whatever it is that I will get my bachelor's degree. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I have a I have a thing I want to ask you about this. Um, um, so I told this story to Kyle on the podcast, so people may have heard this, but it was about, I think we talked about this on the podcast. When I graduated high school, I thought I wanted to be an attorney. <clears throat> so so my last two years of high school, I went to a career center, and I took a legal program, because I thought I was going to get a jump on that. I learned a little bit more before I started college, and I did that. When I graduated high school, I got a job at a law firm, because wouldn't you want to do that if you're going to go to law school? So I did that. And then I worked there for like a year. And after that year, I decided there is no effing way I want to be an attorney. Now, most college kids who were like, you know, pre-law or something like that, they don't have that experience. They just go in, they go from high school right into college. They don't realize that they made a mistake until they're two, three, four years into their schooling. Then they're like, so what, what happened to me was the, attorney, the young attorney that I worked with, he went to court with me because I got a ticket. Uh, it was bullshit. I got a couple of tickets. Uh, one of them was for a loud muffler. And one of them was for how my license plate was sitting in my car. It was an absolute nonsense thing, but whatever. I go to the, I go to court with him, and he says to the ju- to the magistrate, you know, this is my legal assistant. We don't pay him anything, you know. So can you give him a break on on you know these these uh, charges? And he said also, um, you know, the cop gave him two tickets. You can see obviously that why he did that because he wants one of these to stick. So why don't we just drop one of them and. So the magistrate said, okay, you seem like a nice guy. The, you know, this attorney's vouching for you. I'll drop one of your charges. I'll, I'll give you more time to pay, and I'll give you a reduced fine. For me, it was great. Mm-hmm. It worked well. And then I left there thinking to myself, what just happened? This attorney, this representative of justice, goes into the courthouse and negotiates with the magistrate like, like he's at a flea market f- for me, and I get a better deal than the law says I should have got. And that's what justice is. That's what justice is. It's negotiating. It's let's make a deal. That's what I want to go to law school for, to learn how to make a deal with people. To, you know, and so for me, it undermined the whole reason I was going to law school. Mm-hmm. So this brings me to the question I have for you is, I can understand the, me- you know, the desire to go into to the medical field, to care for people. Um, that's very noble, and it's very hard, and you know, not a lot of people do it. And it's underappreciated and underpaid and all of that. I don't know if it's underappreciated now, 
Yeah. <laughs> We're <Well>, heroes. <laughs> heroes. Um, but the thing is, you go into a field like that with the best of intentions and something outside of your control, which is the system, undermines your ability to care for people. What I mean is, my father-in-law, he's having all kinds of trouble. And the doctors don't know what's going on. My wife is in a position, she has no medical background, where she has to be like a liaison between all these doctors, and she has to know what's going on and keep them in check. Meanwhile, the whole insurance and billing is a goddamn catastrophe. So you choose a career like that, and you go in and you fight the good fight, and you, and you sacrifice, and you work hard, and you care for people and, and all that. But you're working for a system that's that fucked up. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I actually talked to, to Kyle about this um, because I have felt that way a couple times. And the main one was, well, I haven't had that much experience, so I'm sure I'll have more of these experiences as I go along. But um, I had a rotation at a psych unit, and um, I, I met this guy. I was assigned to him. He was my patient. And he was pink-slipped, which means he was forced to be there mm-hmm. as a patient. And um, I just thought it was so unfair because he was just, like, a little bit weird. He had schizophrenia. He was hearing things. um, And he wasn't violent. He wasn't really a threat to anybody, but he was sent there. And then he wasn't able to leave for, like, over a month because he didn't want to take medication. Mm. He he refused the, the, basically, the injection that they're going to put in your arm. And I just, it was a real... um, I don't know, it's just like a struggle to know, like, is this really right? Is this what I want to go into? Because we're forcing this poor guy, this nice guy, who's not going to hurt anybody, um, to stay, to put his whole life on hold because we think that he should be here because he's kind of weird, mm. you know? Yes, well, what, what do you think about that? Do you think that that changes your opinion about... It, it was such a roller coaster, honestly, that whole, that whole time. This recently just happened... Because then I was like, wow, I'm like so against this. This feels so wrong. I feel so bad for him. Like, I Mm. hate that we can do this to people. Then I had a situation where someone in my family actually had to go um, in a psych unit. Mm. And then I was like so thankful that we were able to actually pink slip her, in quotes, um, and make her go. um, Because... It was a dangerous situation. So I don't know. Like, I, I'm glad that it exists that we're allowed to do that because some people truly do need it. And when it was actually someone in my, you know, someone I'm close to, I was like, oh, thank God, because I knew she was going to be safe. But right. when it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword, I don't know what's right, you know? Yeah. It's, but basically it's... I'm making this decision to, to do this because not – not for anything to do with that, but I do want to help people. But also, I'm making it for like the family and the future that I want to have. I know that this is going to be a good job for me. I'm going to make good money, and I'll be able to provide for hopefully the children that we have and everything. And you'll have a career for sure. I mean, you have you'll have a job. So, no, I get it. And it, you know, so I mean, so many people. Everybody sitting in this room right now is in that situation. The career, the careers that all of us are in are not are you know, they're not the place we would have chosen if we were. If we were independently wealthy, we're we're doing we're doing what we're doing out of necessity, but the podcast we're doing for fun. True, true that. So that's interesting. Uh, I do think that I do think that leading by example and and changing things from within is better than than trying to tear down the whole system because you think it's unfair. So I think, as far as the pink slipping goes, I don't know, man. I think that. So one of the big things that I believe is that if you want freedom, 
bad things are going to happen. People are going to make decisions and bad things are going to result from right. those. Yes. Um, and I don't know if I think that you should be able to pink slip somebody. Like, even if it was somebody in my, obviously, if it's someone in my family, I'm going to be glad that they're okay. But on like a moral and ethical level, I don't think that I think it's right. So this is an interesting topic because basically what you're, what we're talking about here is, is when can we take, when is it okay to take away somebody's rights mm-hmm. and their liberty is, that's the most important right, right? You know, um, liber- liberty and property. That's what the original constitution was, was designed to protect. Um, so that, that's the same argument for, for prison as it is for, you know, pink slipping, a, a, you know, somebody, I don't know if, you, I want to say crazy person, but I know it's not, it's not appropriate. Um, where was I going with that? You're, you were comparing it to going to prison. Yeah, so. well, well, you said you you said that you resist the idea that you could that you could pink slip somebody because taking away their liberty doesn't seem like something we should be allowed to do. Yeah. but we do do it. And somebody who's a danger to themselves or others—that's usually what we say—is the is the standard. I that's remember I tweeted out the other day uh, is preemptively defending yourself a thing and. That seems like precog shit. Like you're a danger to yourself and others. Well, I haven't fucking done anything yet. So, how, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't know. It's complicated shit. Shout out to Tom Cruise and Minority Report. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, things like suicide, though, I mean, then it's like too late. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they haven't done it yet. but And I'm not even arguing that we should be able to pink slip people. I don't even know if that's right or not. But I'm just saying like things like that make me on the fence where I'm like, yeah, of course they haven't done it yet, but it's like, that's the point. We don't want them to do it, mm. you know? And and usually when they come out of you don't want, whatever God. their problem is, usually it is, it's like medication or just situational or something like that that's making them feel that way, that they don't want to do that either once they're, like, clear-headed, so. What if it's not, though? What if they really want to kill themselves? Yeah, that's do, Does a person have a right to kill themselves? That's a great question, Chelsea. Does a person have a right? I think they do, but, you know, I, I don't like it. I think that's. I don't the, like it either, but yeah, I think they do. I think that's the correct answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. Shit's getting and then how dark. Do you, how do you? I know that that is a thing in like Oregon or something, but but how do you determine like if it's right? Like okay, like because like it, I said, sometimes go people go through things where like they have the wrong dose of medication that makes them suicidal. They wouldn't be otherwise. Yeah. So how do we know when when it's like too far? Because we have them sign a piece of paper that says I'm of sound mind and I'm not <laughs> under duress, and that we have the paper. So that's so that's our justification. We have a signature. You know, he signed it. You know where I have a real problem with things like pink slipping is when the fucking pigs decide to do it to someone. You know, in a situation where it's like your husband and your sister and your family and they're worried about you and like they're close to you and they know you, then I have a little bit less of a problem with it. But when a cop sees some guy, you know, open carrying or something like that um, and he decides you're crazy, you're going into the loony bin, that's fucked up. I mean, I don't see how there's any way around that being fucked up. I think this topic of insanity, I don't even know what word to use here, but this to- to- this topic, it, I think we can, we can talk about for hours. So here's what comes to my mind. We, at least the liberal part of the country, thinks that people should be able to live whatever lifestyle um, they want to, and I agree, um, you know, w- within certain boundaries. Yeah. And, and there's even like... Uh, this is a conspiracy theory one, and your uh, your mom will probably talk about this when huh. she comes on the podcast. But th- there's even people that 
talk about how um, pedophilia is slowly starting to be positioned to where it's like people want it to be acceptable, mm-hmm. which is completely crazy, completely yeah. crazy. But it, that it, you're starting to see this positioning happening in in social media and in and in the kind of public discourse that they're. I don't even want to. I don't even want to give that conversation credibility. I'm just bringing it up as an example. That lifestyle. So here's my question. I don't know what crazy means exactly, but I do know that those people, like the schizophrenic person that Chelsea mentioned, who hears voices, that those people have a different experience. That they live in a different world somehow than the rest of us. Should they have the right to live as a crazy person? And I, I know that's probably insensitive, but that's how I want to put put this. Should they have the right to live the way they want to live, even if that means they're, they're hearing, hearing voices and seeing things that aren't there? Should they have the right, if they want to, live that way? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yes, I think that they have that right. I don't... There are obviously rights... Or they can't violate anyone else's rights and use their craziness as an excuse for that. But if they want to be crazy and live in an apartment and like piss in bottles and... And you know, grow their fingernails out five feet long, and as long as no, it's not my business. As long as they're not hurting somebody else, yeah, they should be able to do that. I think it's sad. I don't want people to do that, and I would hope that people have, you know, a support support group around them that like discourages them from that. But what is the alternative? You kick in the guy's door and lock him up. I mean, you know, I don't see how that is really helping the situation. So that so that brings me to this to the question about what what it is to be crazy, to be insane or mentally ill or whatever word you want to use. I know, obviously there's different kinds of what mental illness. There's different kinds of ways in which that that presents itself. They're not all the same. Um, but we talked about this when we talked about psychedelics and, and mystic experience. It's like if it's possible for you to have a different type of experience. Um, should we be writing it off as not valuable? Is there oh. so, is there something valuable about the way about the way someone who's crazy is thinking that we might actually benefit from? Well, you know how they. I'm sure you've probably heard about this. How in like ancient times they felt about crazy people. They were like oracles. You know, they were like, uh, oh, you're hearing voices. Well, that's probably God talking to you. It's interesting because it reminds me of Floki from Vikings. Oh, yeah. And if you remember Floki, he, yeah. he was an oddball, and mm-hmm. he lived outside of the community, and he was weird. But he was respected and had a place in society because he was the weird guy that, that lived a different way from everyone else and saw the world a different way and had, and had wisdom to impart. And, you know, that's, it, it almost seems like that's a respectable way of treating crazy people in your, in your society. I, I don't see how that works when your community is, uh, uh, you know, 300,000 people or 500,000 people. But when yeah. it's a village, you, you have a place seemingly for a crazy person. Yeah. Now we put them, we put, we lock them up in a hospital with a thousand other crazy people. I think. Or they're just on the streets. That's what ha- like, that's what happens to a lot of people too, is they become homeless. Yeah. Uh, so there, there is like, oh yeah, I, an ideal thing is to let someone be crazy, live in their own apartment, grow their nails out to five feet. But but that wouldn't happen most of the time because they're so crazy that they can't keep a job. They can't pay for that apartment. Nobody around them wants to be around them because they're crazy. Their family leaves them or whatever. Yeah. Or they leave their family. So then they just end up on the streets. And I'm not saying that, you know, we should intervene, I guess, but I kind of want to, you know, when I see that. Like you, That's, you that's, that's very liberal and kind of you to say, Chelsea. But I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not a 
cold person. You know, you see somebody in need, you want to help them. Um, but I don't know what the solution is to that problem. I think that this is kind of a product of something that we've railed against in the podcast or on the podcast before. And that is like materialist science, Mm -hmm. you know, that once we figure out the disease and we're going to have it all figured out and mapped out and we'll give you this pill and you'll go to therapy and you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. You know, there are people who that does work for some people, some people they've got, you know, just a, 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 like a touch of something and they just need a little, little tinkering Mm -hmm. with the levels and they're good other people are not like that they're never going to be normal um and no matter how many pills you give them you know it's not gonna happen and i think that um i I, so it's a product of that materialist science that has made its way into medicine and i think it's also a product of like industrial society Mm -hmm. you know like um and it's also a product of, uh, you know, like the state, you know, like the state, is, you know, if a person is like, you know, now I'm looking for the right word to say, if a person is batshit crazy, um, you know, the government will give them social security income to get a place. Mm. And, you know, as a person who is against state intervention, there are things that I'm going to bust the state's balls about a billion times more before I ever say anything about them giving a crazy person social security income. Um, But I do, it's like, are you enabling them? Are you, you know, like, like let's say there's a person who's crazy and it would be good for them to be like with their family and having their family wants them uh, to be with them so that they can help take care of them. Uh, but you, but you're paying for them to be separated from their family. You know, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's ridiculous. I just don't think it's people act like these social programs are all inequ- unequivocally good. There's no downside to right. them, but there are obviously downsides to them, you know, and not just like the typical libertarian conservative money issues. You know, there are real personal issues that these things cause serious problems with. Do you think that, and Chelsea, you might know this, do you think that there are more, as a, as a percentage of the population, more people that fall into that mental illness umbrella than in, than in like a tribal community. Like if you have one or two crazy people in a, in a community of 50 or 500, I just wonder when you get more people together, especially in a city where you pack them in like sardines, do you think mental illness is worse when, when under those circumstances? I would assume so. Uh, it's hard to say, I guess, because do you think that like depression is mental illness? Like, mm, that's a good question. Because I, according to like statistics now, everybody has a mental illness. Like, I think it's one of those things that should be taken seriously, but now it's like, oh, everybody, like everyone's being like soft, I guess, and everybody's we are. depressed. Statistics and, can suck a dick. But I was thinking of something else though about that. It kind of ties into like all the stuff you guys were saying, like. Like, that one particular person I was talking about that didn't want to take his medication, this happens a lot. This is not just him. It happens to so many people there. They refuse and refuse and refuse, and they realize that's the only way they're going to get to leave. So then they take the medication, and I was talking with that, with him, and I was like, do you... I was kind of doing it on the sly. Like, do you really think this medication is going to help you? Like, do you feel good about this? And he said yes, but I couldn't tell if he was telling me the truth because he thought that, you know, like I worked there or something oh. that I would like tell. Yeah. So um, basically what I feel could happen to him, and I hope it doesn't, um, I hope he was right, but he, I hope he was telling the truth that he likes it and it's good for him. 
But if it's not truly, then he's going to go home, he's going to stop taking it, and then he's going to be weird again. And then who knows how far it could go. Then then they're going to spend more money putting him back in and out or whatever they're mm-hmm. going to do for him. And then who knows where he's going to end up because he never truly got the help. But, like, if you could, like, help people just live the way they want to live instead of putting them, you know, in a place or making them take pills or something. Mm. So, well, I've heard that before. I've heard, I've heard people say that... People who have mental illness that are that are medicated, that when they are not supervised, will very often stop taking the medicine. Um, the explanation for that that I hear is not because um, it's it's basically because once they start feeling better, they they're convinced they don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they go off, yeah, then then they go di- then they go down the deep end again. They end up in a place like like the hospital where they're forced to take medicine again. So I don't know I don't know what the answer is, but I, I have a sl- I have a slightly different angle. I want to proposed to you guys who so are talking about mental illness and so I'm just thinking about our biology the way we're put together and we're all different so if there's something different about my brain or the, my brain chemistry or whatever that might result in that sort of thing happening to me that seems similar to a conversation about physical impairments handic- handicapped people so rather than having a, a, a mental impairment I have a physical impairment so that we can maybe talk about them in the same way or similar and so here's where it'll, be, it'll get a little bit controversial, and I'll just be completely honest because I want to be. When I was younger, up until, you know, it's not something I think about a lot, but when I was younger, if you asked me, do you think, for instance, if you um, found out you were pregnant and you knew that there was something wrong with a child that way, whether it's a mental illness or a physical impairment of some kind, and you can make the decision to end that pregnancy, should you? So this is a, just like if we're talking about abortion, and just like if we're talking about lots of things, it's, it's, there's not a great, it's not a great situation, and there's not a correct answer to the question. Um, but when I was younger, I used to think to myself this way. I used to think, what was it like when you were a kid? Kids are awful. Kids are awful. So mean. What, what was it like for the people that you knew in school that were different, you know? And there was a couple kids like that on the spectrum, you know, although we didn't know about that back then. I'm thinking of one guy in particular. People treated him terribly. Their experiences in school were terrible. Their social experiences were, were so damaging to those kids. And I'm thinking to myself, if you, could, if you could terminate that pregnancy and spare that precious child all of that torment for their entire life, and you know maybe even to, to the point where... You're not gonna. You're not gonna find somebody to have a romantic relationship with. You're not gonna have children. You know, you, like it, all. I'm just thinking about how terrible that person's existence would be. When I'm younger, this is this is my kind of train of thought. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe there are instances where you would say that the trade-off is better to terminate the pregnancy. Obviously, that's it's hard to even say. Relatively recently, it was put to me in a different way that made me think differently about it. And it was like, this is where it gets. This is where it gets a little bit mystical. Maybe it's like, um, if if all, like I've said many times, if all of the human beings that exist, if even if we're just talking about human beings, if we're all God, we're all God, then every life that that's being lived in a unique way is beautiful and necessary, and you see the people. The people's lives um, surrounding somebody like a child with Down syndrome or something like that. And you can see, for instance, in that example, those people are always so happy. 
And the people that are in their lives see them unaffected by the drama of the world and just smiling like, like a child and being joyful. And you see that this adult acting that way and it's inspiring. And you're like, this way of existing, this example, this way of living, could, you know, I might have terminated that because I was afraid of the torment. that the, I was imposing the idea of torture on this person who, in this particular example, if you know what I mean, that person isn't feeling tortured at all. Yeah. So I completely changed my mind on that, and I'm thinking that that if it's valuable for someone like that to be able to exist and to shine their light on the world, I wonder. I wonder if crazy people don't have a right to live that that way yeah. and shine that light on the world. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I just I just really mixed up about all this. We've talked. Me, Chelsea, and I have talked about that kind of stuff before. The you know, mentally handicapped, whatever, whatever kind of handicap that you know that that your child is going to have. Uh, and I think we're both pretty much completely against it, you know. Um, you know, I, if you want to do it, whatever, it's on you, but I don't think we would ever do that. I mean... Oh, there's no way. Yeah. And I think that what you were... I was thinking that a lot of that experience, I think, falls on the parents because the children aren't really... If they're not capable of, like, having a normal experience... It's it's on you as a parent to make it as good for them as possible, and and not everybody has the same resources, so I know it could be hard. But it's like maybe that kid shouldn't be in a normal school. Maybe like the kids that got made fun of. I'm thinking of one too. Um, like it's on your on your parents basically to make mm-hmm. sure that you have a good life when uh, you're a child. Yeah, I mean, this might even this might sound a little dickish. I don't mean it to at all. But like, does a person who is you know, the big R word that I won't say for fear yes. of getting, you know, blocked or whatever the hell. Yep. Does that person, does that person really need to go to school? It depends on the level of their... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, obviously. If you're like, you know, you've got some slight you know, things holding you back, but more or less you, you're capable, then yeah, sure. But, I mean, there are some that I can remember from going to some kids. It's like, you just... Does he really need to be here? You know, like, I don't know. I mean, it seems like you, yeah, it's like he's getting picked on by asshole kids and he's not really soaking much of it up. Um, You know. So so this is what I think. I think you're, you're, there are certain circumstances in which you're right, but I don't think that kid's going to school because he's going there to learn. I think he's going to school. Socialize. To to be socialized. Yeah. 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 Also to give the parents a break, possibly, which I don't really know if I... Agree with putting your kids somewhere that's not good for them. I just being picked on. You know. I just think in a in a world where you weren't like forced to send your mentally handicapped child to a school, you could probably send them somewhere else. Uh, you know, where there's they're with more people like them, and they're you know the learning is more on their scale, and you know they're still being socialized. Uh, you know, things it's, like that. It's it's so important. Like when I think of a quality of life. It's all about your social experience. Yeah. It's like if I, like, you know, like you hear about these horror stories and I don't know like how much of this stuff is wives tales and like, you know, f- myths, but um, I, I don't like using the word myth in that context. So <laughs> I take it back. Um, but you hear about those people in the old days that it's like, oh, we have the, we have the brother that we never talk about. He, he lives in the basement or the attic. It's like, like the when, Kennedys. Yeah, yeah, like the Kennedys. Right, exactly. right. Did you? What know was her name? Rosa, Rosalie Kennedy oh, or something? Chelsea, do you know about this? I don't. Oh, yeah, it's fucked up. Do you want to tell the story? 
I mean, I don't, I don't know enough details to really, but I can give you the gist of it. So the Kennedys, you know the Kennedys, very high performance, you know, very well-connected people, rich. Um, and they had this sister whose name I think was Rosalie. I think I might be wrong about that, though. And she had some kind of mental thing going on. From what I understand, it wasn't even really that bad. And then they performed like a... Shock therapy, or a lot gave her a lobotomy, yeah. and she was just completely fucked from that point. I'm, I'm, and they I'm, locked her up in an institution and like never went and yep. visited her. Nothing. So I'm going to correct. I'm going to slightly correct your story because I think it's worse than this. Okay. Um, it was a lobotomy. Yeah. It was a lobotomy. You know what that? You know what that means? Yeah. So okay. So but this is what happens. She was not crazy. She was slutty. Oh. So what? So what? Okay. What, so what, ha what happened is. She was a she was like a flapper, you know. She wasn't okay. in, it wasn't it wasn't in the twenties, but she was an uncontrollable, uh, wild child, yeah. and she was out there getting it. Love the dick, and you know the Kennedys are han are a handsome family. She was probably just getting it every every which way. Yeah. The thing is, she was an embarrassment to the political dynasty. Yeah, yeah. So they lobotomized her to keep her. Okay, listen. Back then, lobotomies were always. Sketchy, but there was a time when it was like cutting edge science, and it, there was a time when it was successfully treating really bad mental illness when nothing else was working. So it was like, I don't know, the standard of care or something. So this was the cult, the, the context in which she was lobotomized, but she was up against her will. It's fucked up. They put, they, they, I don't know what they do, but they stick something in her brain, they sever something in there, and she's like a catatonic and living in a hospital for the rest of her life. And All she, of, all, all of that is super awful, but then the thought that like they just locked her up and forgot about her, you know? Oh yeah, that's dark. It's 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 terrible. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go one step darker because we're talking about. I was trying to talk about how the social component of our lives is so important in terms of the quality of experience we have. Have you heard about the stories of like the feral children? Oh yeah. So there's like a famous one from Russia where there was a girl who was kept in a cage, like a dog, away from social contact. Living, being fed, you know, being taken care of to the bare minimum so she didn't die. But when they finally found her, th that she was in this situation, she was like 10 years old. And she couldn't speak. And she couldn't be taught to speak for the rest of her life. Because once your brain, if you're not around mm. people speaking when you're young and your brain is developing, something, something stops developing that it makes it impossible for you to learn language so she could learn words little like like you can teach a chimpanzee words mm -hmm. signs yeah she could she could she could learn words but could never speak to you forever that's insane the, so the point is keeping people away from from other people is the worst torture yeah that's what solitary confinement's about and if you had somebody crazy like in your family and you would lock them up like that to me that's that type of a life you that is the worst possible way of handling that situation. Yeah. Um, so again, whether you're sending them to school or not, they need to have a social environment. They need to they need to interact with each For other. For sure. It's like you remember the stu the study with the monkeys where they um, took the baby monkeys from their mothers, and in, in one in one experiment they had a wire cage. You know how like those like in the old days when you, you would put a dress uh, like in the window, you put them on these wire mannequins. Mm -hmm. So it's like a wire mannequin like that. And then another one is a wire mannequin with some uh, with some fur draped over top of it. Maybe something to warm it up. I don't remember. 
but the monkeys that the baby monkeys that were taken away and put on the side with the wire thing they would they would grab a hold of it just like they would with to their mom and they would feed them just like just like their mom would feed them those monkeys died the ones that were given just the fur draped one where they could feel like it felt like it was it was their, maybe their mother they 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 did fine it's crazy so this, the social component is so important yep so that's why I like having you guys here right now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely good. Um, we got anything else besides yeah, from crazy people? Stuff. We got stuff. We got well, you know. On a let's, let's change the subject to a brighter note. Yeah. Kyle's dog almost died the other day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Paxton. Bill Paxton, <laughs> General Paxton. His name's Patton. <laughs> yeah, he's a big ass Rottweiler. So what happened there? So you turned me onto the xylitol gum the other day. Uh, yes, um, which I'm still happy about. I, I like I like the xylitol gum. Well, I have to give credit to Dr. Rhonda Patrick and Joe Rogan, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I bought a, a container of the icebreakers cubes. You know, that's got the xylitol in there, and I had it up on top of our microwave. And I don't think he's ever gotten anything on top of the microwave before. He goes up on the on the counters and he'll pull stuff down. So we try to keep things that are in any way dangerous although i really didn't know that sugar-free gum was dangerous for dogs until he ate it and then i you know anytime he eats something that i have a remote question about i just google it because yeah. he eats shit all the time i had no idea yeah that that would be a problem did yeah. you did you have no you ever, but ever apparently it is out there because as soon as i started telling people they're like oh yeah it's yeah, a big yeah. deal well you keep telling because i want to tell you what what i um at some point, I'm going to stop you and tell you something. But go ahead. Keep going with your story. Yeah, so, I mean, I I went out there. I saw that he had eaten it. I went into her, and I said, Patton ate this entire thing. And she's like, he'll shit it out, you know? Um, but like I said, anytime he does it, I just check and see. And they're like, take him to the vet right now. So we didn't. We did. We, uh, we got some hydrogen peroxide, and we shot it in his throat. And he swallowed it. And then, like, 10 minutes later, he had thrown up, like, three times and gotten it all up. So, you know, I'm reading this stuff and it's like, uh, basically the worry is that their systems are not sophisticated enough to understand that it's not real sugar, right? Um, and I wonder if this, you know how you told me that the bacteria eat it and they die because they can't process it? Mm -hmm. I wonder if like, that's like, their systems are obviously not complicated or, you know, sophisticated enough either to tell that it's not whatever they should be eating. So I just thought that was interesting. But um, we can. We can tell the difference. He can't. So he thinks he just got all this sugar, so his blood sugar drops. Oh, and his insulin. Yeah, and, and then, you know, you just shut down. Mm. The other worry is that he's got so much of this chemical in him that his liver is going to shut down. Mm. Um, so we take him in and... Um, you know, basically, you know, I had to like muzzle him and mm. hold him down. And I was, I was fucking crying like a baby in front. of So I'm, a, I had to put the muzzle on him. I'm on the ground, like holding him down, like rubbing his head, telling him it's going to be okay. And they like stick him with a needle to sedate him uh, because he's a big dog yeah. and they're just taking precautions. Um, and the nurse or whoever, the veterinary, veterinary tech gets up to leave and she's like saying something to me and I'm trying to answer it. I'm like, ah, like, I can't do, you know, she, she knew that I was crying and then she comes in and I'm like laying on the ground with him. Um, but basically he was, he was fine. I mean, it, I, I think it, as a product of how big he is, it just really wasn't much of a problem for him. So I think it's very sweet 
because Kyle's a big dude with a big beard, <laughs> and I think it's very sweet that you love that dog so much. I do. So what I wanted to tell you is after you told me that the dog ate the xylophal and you had to take the dog to the vet, um, I because, look, guys, when I heard Dr. Rhonda Patrick talking about xylophal, I was completely blown away. I was, I was the biggest enthusiast, and I get like that sometimes. Yeah. But he, she said when she was pregnant, she couldn't go get a, a filling taken care of or a, a cavity taken care of. Um, that the, the dentist said was forming. So she read, because she's a you know research scientist, she read all the literature and found out that xylothal, this you know imitation sugar that's used in some chewing gums, um, ha- has some properties that, uh, and some research that suggests that it could repair your teeth, remineral- remineralize and repair your teeth. So she starts chewing this gum all day long because she's allowed to chew the gum. It does. There's no pro- prohibition of for chewing xylophal gum while you're pregnant. But she couldn't have the whatever they were going to give her to, to fix her filling. She goes to the doctor. You know, months down the road after the baby's born, she goes to the doctor to get it fixed. The doctor says, "I can't believe it, but that filling is gone. I've never seen that before. The ever. cavity. The cavity. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Cavity's gone. So, and she's she's like, look." It's the xylophal. I couldn't believe it. I, I chewed it like crazy all day long, and somehow it it got rid of this fucking cavity. Yeah. So I thought, okay, that's awesome. I got to start chewing this gum, and uh, I have a bunch of it. Yeah. And when you told me that the dog ate it and that you had to take it to the vet, I immediately grabbed the gum container from the shelf. I turn it around. I look at it, and right there underneath the ingredients, it says toxic to dogs. Oh, or really? Not, not for dogs or something. Right on the package. That's crazy. Couldn't believe that. Yeah. So and I, the dogs that you have here, from what I, everything I read, if they ate like one piece of that within 10 to 15 minutes, they would be like fainting and like having seizures and shit. Wow. But our yeah. dog's 120 pounds. He's a he big can. motherfucker. Honestly, I... <sighs> I kind of regret taking him because I feel like he would have been okay. I feel like the treatment yeah. for it knocked him out. He was like... Yeah, dude. When we brought him home... Oh, so sad. He yeah. was not himself. He he was just a wreck. And we were so worried. We're like, did we take him home too early? But I actually think that taking him there was the mistake. I guess in hindsight, I can say that. We didn't really yeah, know yeah. that. He could... I mean, for all we knew, he could have like literally died. So obviously, we had to take him, but... Yeah, if I knew now what I knew then, I probably wouldn't have. I think that we got it out of him soon enough. Like the, there was like an hour window where he ate it, and he could have eaten it at the beginning. He could have eaten it right before I came out and mm-hmm. found him. Um, so, you know, I don't know. You live and you learn. You do. I guess you're gonna keep shit higher up on the cabinet. Yeah, it's, it goes in a cabinet. Now she told me I'm not even a ha- allowed to have xylitol <laughs> in the I'm not house. Even chewing that stuff. There's no way. I'm over. But it's so good for your teeth. I'm still chewing the shit out of it. Um, And I just like chewing gum. Since I've been buying the xylitol gum, I, like, forgot how much I like chewing gum. Mm. Yeah, I I chew the shit out of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, So I want to tell you, well, I'll I'll just give a preview to the audience that, um, so we talk about Jordan Peterson constantly, and I'm sick of apologizing for it. I'm not going to do that. Uh, (laughs) I love love him. Um, one of the things I never bought into, though, was uh, Jordan talks a lot about uh, personality tests and um, traits, personality traits. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a psychologist and a scientist, and so that, all that stuff's very you know, important to him, and it's all up on the up and up, and it's, what does he call it? Um, there's a word for it. It's a, like it's valid. The, the process of them t- testing personality is a valid, it's, a, it's tested and valid. So he talks about it a bunch, and he sells... It's for 10 bucks. he sells a personality test that can help you understand yourself. It's called Understand Yourself. So I, uh, so I ordered it. Finally, I was like, it's just 10 bucks. I want to see what it tells me about myself. So I took it, and I read it. 
And I was like, okay, I'm going to send one to Kyle. I'm going to send one to my wife. And he says that if you if you have a partner, you can link up your accounts, and then you can then you can get more information about your differences and how how you the kind the kinds of like conflicts you're likely to have, and the, and like you know what I mean, like if you have certain sure. types of personality conflicts. So he'll give you more information. So my my thought was this: you do it, I'll have my wife do it, then we'll link my account and your account, and my account and her account. So then we can get some romantic help. Uh, from Jordan Peterson about getting along, you and I. All right, uh, but but I, I, the reason I think it's interesting is because, and we'll, and we'll have to talk about it on the podcast. Our results is that the first half of it I read, I'm like, this is this stuff sounds just like me. Like this is really accurate. Then the last half of it, I was like, no way, not at all. I, I was a little bit insulted. I was thinking to myself, I must have answered the questions wrong. Can I guess what happened? Sure. You showed your wife the second part of it, and she's like, "Yep, that's you." <laughs> No, no, right, no I did it. not. That would have been very entertaining. I think, you know, like he says um, in the instructions not to take the test like on an empty stomach or if you're in a bad mood. Like try to be as like level-headed as you can, gotcha. answer the questions honestly. I think the way I answered the questions is what is what was wrong. And I, and I, I have to go back and look, but it's like sometimes I'm, I don't want to be braggy or I don't want to, like, I, I want to answer the question in a way that's humble. Like there's part of my personality that wants to be like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to toot my own horn and I might be more likely to say it somewhat applies to me even if it, even if it very maybe, much. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's something like that going on. But, but basically my curiosity was how would this personality test compare to like reading my astrological, my, my, my Zodiac chart in the newspaper? Like I want to know, am I more convinced by one or the other? Yeah. And uh, I, so I thought that would be interesting. So that's so the audience can have that to look forward to one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard that personality tests though, if you take them correctly, like if you're not trying to get a certain personality, mm-hmm. uh, cause maybe you're too excited about Jordan Peterson. That you're <laughs> like, you're maybe you're thinking about it too much, but I don't know. But uh, I've heard that, uh, like, yeah, like, what if you're in the mood one day where, like, one day you're just in a grumpy mood and you mm-hmm. take it, and then the next day you're not? But I read that even then they're supposed to be pretty accurate. Like, if you take them, like, years apart, they're supposed oh. to be the same, supposedly. Well, if that's the case, I'll be interested to hear, Kyle, what you think when we get to that second part, and I'm reading that, we'll read that, the results and talk about it, whether you think it's more accurate a description of me than I think it is. Okay. That would be interesting to see. That would be. Um, uh, that'll be, well, that'll be definitely an interesting episode. Um, we got some, uh, we got some interesting episodes coming up. Yeah. We got some interviews coming up. We're going to have some, uh, do you have any, have some people Skyping in. Hmm. Do you have anything you want to say about that in particular, or do you, do you not want to overpromise? Um, I mean, I do kind of want to, you know, you know, the person that we're going to have on next week. Yes, and well, I, I don't. I don't know. Him well, you don't know. I don't. I don't know him. Yeah, uh, but I do kind of want to like get it out there because I feel like maybe it will make people interested to listen. Mm. Um, so I, I will. I'll just put it out right now. We're going to have a guy on who randomly showed up in my DMs on Twitter, who says that he is. He he describes himself as a wignat, which is modern slang for white nationalist. Mm. Okay. So I just want to have this guy on to, I, I want to hear him explain his ideas 
and have them challenged and see because he he seems like a genuine guy like he doesn't seem like a super hateful guy or anything so i just want to hear him explain why he believes the things that he does and then he can listen to us talk about why we believe the things that we do Mm -hmm. um and i just think you know a big thing in conservative internet media and libertarian internet media is a willingness to have conversations because the left is not willing to do that. So I think we should do that. Um, And I just also think that we shouldn't write people off because of decisions that they've made in the past. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm with you. I think there isn't a venue for a conversation like that, you know, that's easily accessible. Um, You know, you have to go, you have to do it off the grid, so to speak this way to even have a conversation like that. So nobody gets to hear it. Like, you know, as long as somebody like that is willing to be respectful and have a conversation, open-minded conversation, and it, and is comfortable being critiqued, I think it's important to have the conversation. You know, if we even if we all agree that 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 sort of a of a philosophy is completely wrong, even if even if even sure. if we can all agree on that, um, we, somebody like that should be able to say why they feel that way. People should be able to evaluate whether that's whether that's you know, right or wrong on their own. That is a better strategy than simply agreeing with everybody else that it's not worth having the conversation because there's no, there's nothing of value to be said because at a bare minimum, the value is hearing somebody who has a bad idea blow up under the weight of their own bad ideas publicly. So everyone can hear how wrong they are. Absolutely. Now, and I, I don't wish that on anybody, and I'm, I'm not going to have any sort of angry conversation with someone that I disagree with. Yeah. The purpose of this podcast was always to demonstrate that people can talk openly and disagree openly and not hate each other. Yeah. And can do it long form style where we can actually co- try to come to understand one another and what we and find out what it is we actually disagree on. Yep. And not just pretend like I have, I'm an R or a D next to my name and I'm going to agree with everything that, that, you know, the party line says I should. For sure. We're all people. Yeah. And we're all, we're all wrong in certain ways. And, you know, at a bare minimum, we should talk about that. Yep. Agreed. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. I've got, I've got some other interesting people who want to come on the show, too. This one dude named Roman yeah. who wrote a book um, called The American Intelligentsia, A Critique of something or other. I can't read it right now. Mm. A critique uh, of the intellectual class. Ooh. So this dude wants to come on. That sounds, um, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to have some more Twitter people on. I think that that'll, be, that'll lead to some interesting things. I'm into it, man. Um, tell me about the podcast. The Not A Podcast. Tell me about that. So Kyle, so Kyle tweets that he's listening to a podcast with his fiance, um, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Well, you know what? Before we go into this, can I ask you, Chelsea, how many of these podcasts have you listened to? Almost Be honest. all of them. Really? Yeah. God bless I'm you. I'm behind on like two, but I nice. listen to all of them. Even my boring ones? Oh, well, okay. Nah, so okay, so she's jumping around. I listen to all the ones that Kyle... That we do together. Yeah, but I do, I want, I love Jordan Peterson too, I want to listen to those, but I have... Listen, she feels obligated to listen to the ones that I'm on, uh, so no, she's a little further ahead on those. So my, my wife, I think she's... I don't think she's listened to one full episode of my really? wife, so yeah. Um, but if, if, you, if you're interested in Jordan Peterson, you should listen to Jordan Peterson. But if you want to listen to mine, I did six episodes of Maps of Meaning that's yeah. like 12, 12 hours or 15 hours or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, what was the podcast you guys were listening to? Dude, so not a podcast is just a libertarian. Well, yeah, we'll say libertarian. It's a it's a libertarian shit posting podcast. You know, you have these libertarian trolls on Twitter, and they go on and they will they'll say things to people that it's not doesn't even have anything to do with libertarianism or you know that type that line of philosophy. They're just trolling. They're okay. just talking shit. They're just trying to get under people's skin. And not a podcast is like a podcast version of that. I mean, they're kind of like the original podcast version of that. There's like derivatives that I enjoy those shows too. Um, but it's hosted by this guy, El Popo, and that guy I mentioned before, Neocon Remover. Mm. They're the guys who are always on it. And they just they just like bullshit and they just talk about, uh, you know, there's there's like liberty philosophy talk going on but not a ton of it they don't take a lot of that stuff really seriously on the podcast um is and it, today is it, is it like satirical largely they're just like 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 you know make like making fun of the ideas or is it is yeah it like kind a, of um you know you should listen to is it is it like is it a, is it a comedy type thing it's a comedy okay, podcast right, right, gotcha, yeah yeah gotcha. um and like today they were talking about chris chan um, and I know you don't know what no, that I'm is. My head, man. So Chris Chan is just a guy on the internet who the internet has largely like made his life miserable over the years. That's supposed to be Christian. Chris no, Chan. Chris Chan. He's called his name is Chris, and Chan comes because he got like famous on 4chan. Okay, so he's not a Chris Chan. You're saying? Yeah, I don't think he's a Chris Chan, especially once you hear the story. Okay, let's hear it. Um, so he's a guy who basically became a meme and the internet has made his life rough over the years um and he told this person in confidence that basically he was taking sexual advantage of his demented mom his mom with dementia oh my god yeah exactly so um yeah so it dark subject matter but you know you just get the laughs out of it that you can you jesus know? christ <laughs> did you enjoy that one chelsea yeah, well, I've never heard that podcast before, but it was really funny. And when we, uh, we did have to keep pausing it because I don't know a lot of Twitter stuff. But, um, Me either. It'd be like listening to it with you. You'd be like, what is this about? What yeah, are they talking yeah. about? But once he explained it, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's funny enough that you can not really understand what they're saying and still think it's funny. Mm. Like, even if you don't know the exact, they're, they're pretty funny guys. So. What, uh... How do you think you listening to like your favorite podcast with Jess would go? Um, you know what my my wife is pretty. Um, I I don't think she, I think she would just listen. Sure, you know I don't think she would like chime in or or want, want to stop and ask she's you questions. She's hip to some of that stuff. She's yeah. So the thing is about Jess is like I love her, but she she um she lines up with me on like a lot, like a lot of important stuff. So it's like, I don't always have to worry about, um, she, hmm, how do I put this? Um, she, she would be somebody that would be in, it would be interesting to have a conversation with her afterwards, uh, about the podcast, uh, okay. but I would never be able to get her to sit down and listen to the whole thing. So that would never happen. So gotcha. that's basically what it's going to boil down to. So unlike, unlike Chelsea, I, I cannot successfully guilt, her into listening to any, any of these well, luckily for me she seems to be pretty interested in a lot of the stuff that i'm interested like sometimes i'll listen to like dave smith debating some kind of asshole libertarians who are just going to call him a racist the entire time and i'll tell her about it and she like is interested enough to yeah. listen to it so it's i can't even imagine libertarians 
this is how out of touch I am with the Libertarian Party now. I can't imagine libertarians pointing fingers and calling somebody a racist and shutting down the conversation like they're a bunch of college Democrats. Yeah. I cannot imagine. I yeah. can't. It's so disheartening. The Libertarian Party's a joke, man. I don't like. I don't really view it as a vehicle towards change. And mm-hmm. like Dave Smith being a part of the Mises Caucus, like I like the Mises Caucus in the Libertarian Party, but I kind of just view it as it's still a part of the Libertarian Party. So. So you're always dropping these libertarian names. Like I know, I know Hayek obviously, but the but the von Mises and what was the other one you br- dropped earlier? Um, Hoppe. Hoppe. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to put put some pressure on you to bring back the will to power hour because you're slipping and talk about some of that stuff because yeah. I'd like to listen to it. Yeah, it's hard to do. Oh, I, I we'll talk about that off air. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we're pretty much gonna have to wrap up fairly soon. All right, man. Well, that's fine because I have to pee super bad. Me too. And uh, I'd like to thank our lovely guest for coming. She and told us we're not allowed to go for like three hours. She said that was against that was against the rules. So <laughs> is an hour forty five good? Yeah. Okay. All right. Love you guys. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties. But I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.